Welcome to Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed, and we are here with two guests, which is kind of fun. Always, it's nice to have a group of people. Um, so, yeah, but today we have two guests from La Aura. So we have William Morante and John Farrigan. How are, are you guys doing? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for having us today. Yeah, you're actually a little, a little cold, but I'm good. We're good. We're ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're actually helping us to close out 2023. I think this might probably be like the the grand finale of a uh, all of our season four shows. So no pressure on you guys. Got to save the best for last. We love it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So like I said, thank you for coming on. I know I encountered you all uh, in D.C. or Arlington or whatever. If you want to be technical um, for the PCA fundraiser this year and. Luckily, you kind of brought to mind that you had not been on Deep Cuts yet. And I'm always excited when people ask to be on these cu- Deep Cuts. So it means you're, you're ready for all the hard-hitting questions. Yes, yes. That was a great time out at the uh, PCA fundraiser. Great meeting you out there. And, um, you know, it's always a good opportunity for us, especially relaunching the brand in the U.S., to be a part of shows like this. Yeah, so... Usually with Deep Cuts, we we don't get right into the business right away. We start off with kind of a fun icebreaker. So as I was kind of thinking of the icebreaker for this issue, this episode, I, I, I kind of thought, I know, because I'm working magazine world, so I'm always thinking about like magazine issues. But for this episode, um, my, my question for you two is, what is your hype song? So what song, you know, gets you hype? Go ahead, Willie. I got to think about Ooh. this. Meek Mills, Dreams and Nightmares. Mm, this is a tough one. Uh, I think if I go back to, uh, you know, my younger days, it's always Petey Pablo, North Carolina. That song always amps me up for some reason. The song is called Raise Up. Raise Up. <laughs> I'm I, I'm dating myself. I don't even remember what it's called. I just love the song. <laughs> we we always. I'm from North Carolina, so we we that was like the anthem at uh, every school function for you know a couple of years, a, a, a good decade or so. Uh, so, what year did you graduate from high school? Yeah, 2002. I'm an 06 guy, so yeah, it it was that kind of window of that song hit it and also i guess being in the midwest nelly anything nelly hot and her is uh, <laughs> always <laughs> always a good one for us i like how you throw the her like. her that's <laughs> how it's spelled willie okay well that's an awesome so i'm always interested in hype songs i've been organizing my vinyl collection for like the last i feel like a uh, couple months now so uh I'm really deep into the music thing right now. But um for those that don't know what vinyl is, those are those big round things before CDs. I know Just it's in case crazy. People are watching. It's crazy. I mean it's crazy how expensive vinyl has gotten. You know, there it's not out of ordinary to find like a fifty dollar, you know, vinyl. It's a whole different it's a whole different because now they're collector pieces, they're no longer just what they used to be. Now it's collector pieces. Yeah, now they have variants. You know, <laughs> so they, they have different color variants and stuff like that. I'm sure the, the, the cigar world will pick up on this somehow. We'll, 
They'll, somebody will figure this out. Don't give them any ideas. Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> a variant of, of cigars, which we already kind of do, but they'll make it special uh, in, in some way. So now that we, we've done the icebreaker, we know what songs get you all hype. Uh, I want to get hype about cigars. So I always like to know the origin story of different people who have come into the industry. So John and Willie, can you share how you found yourself getting involved in the premium cigar industry? Let's see. My previous background before the, the cigar industry, I worked as a DJ and stuff like that. So I used to have a Saturday night gig at a cigar bar. So I would always have a cigar during my set and stuff like that. And that transitioned into me getting a job at a store and then transitioning into the premium side and stuff like that. Um, when I was in college, I was looking for a part-time job and uh, Outlaw Cigar had just opened their new location in Overland Park, Kansas. So I joined the retail team there. Um, after a month or so, I was appointed uh, one of the managers. And so from there, I just was entrenched into the cigar industry, uh, worked retail for a few years, then went to Rocky Patel from Rocky to General, took a three-year step back, went to the liquor industry, and now with La Aurora. Awesome. Now, with, with I know people, because I was thinking about La Aurora, and when I think of La Aurora, I automatically think of the factory, which if people have not been to the factory, is like, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the oldest factory in the, in the Dominican Republic? The oh, we, are the old, we are the oldest Dominican factory making cigars since 1903, celebrating 120 years this year. So, hence why the new 120 cigar and everything that we'll get into, but yes. We're celebrating 120 years this year. Wow. So tell us a little bit about La Aurora, because I'm sure you all, being the salespeople that you are, you have this uh, story down pat. So for our viewers who may not uh, be familiar with La Aurora, give us the, the spiel that you give uh, all the retail clients. It's not a spiel. I mean, we live it every day. You see it. You yourself, you've been to the booth. You've seen Guillermo. I mean, it's a it's a family-run, family-operated business. It's in its fifth leg of family-owned, its fifth generation. Um, everything begins and starts with family. Um, yes, they've been making cigars for 120 years. You know, that's great. But, I mean, we are a family from the team in the DR to the team out here in the USA. It's everything we do. And John will get more into details with the team and stuff like that. But the 120 years of excellence and dedication and passion and it shows in everything they do, and especially in this new 120 cigar that's in the market right now, from the regular edition to the LE that we've been putting out, like it's just, it's been an amazing run this year, being able to start this new chapter for them. Although they've been in the market for about 26 years through Miami Cigar and its own distribution, you know, we just launched something that they've never had, which is their US division. So for the first time, everything is in-house and it's a new exciting chapter for the family and for the factory. Yeah, absolutely. Like Willie was saying, it's it's a family-run business, and it's one of those uh, companies in this industry that the story is authentic. So for us sales guys, going out there and talking about Guillermo and Eduardo and Fernando and talking about the legacy of the Leon family, it's easy to us. We love it. It excites us. It excites the consumers out in the market. So you know, being able to go out and believe in what you're selling is key to us. Now within the last year or so, I know that you all have launched like the U.S. division of La Aurora. So what led to that decision to establish basically 
a U.S. leg of this company? I think it's twofold. I think uh, Guillermo and Nestor being the great friends they are realize that, you know, concentration on one is better for a whole. So, you know, if Nestor focuses on Don Lino, Nestor, Miranda, Tatiana, Guillermo focuses on La Aurora, they're going to each grow and grow to the scale they want to. I think, you know, in looking at La Aurora, it's a brand that has to be told. It's a story. And, you know, unfortunately, during COVID, Miami having to do the things they did to continue on and trim down their sales team, they weren't able to get out into the streets, get out into the field and talk and host events and really um, highlight the story and the cigars that we're producing. So I think post-COVID, when things settled, uh, they had a mutual agreement that, you know, this is the right path moving forward. The friendship is stronger now than ever at the trade show. You know, we were in their booth, they were in our booth, and it's still family. So they helped us from day one, getting this up and running, and their team still continues to help us. So it's I just think it's prioritizing what we have to to continue success. And uh, you, you just mentioned the, the importance of the story several times. And that's something that we talk about on Deep Cuts, because when you see in the cigar industry, so many times like the press releases don't really tell the story behind a cigar. It tells you like the wrapper binder filler and then the price point, And then that's it. And, and that's not really compelling to, I think, a lot of people. So have you found like, you know, with Law War having such a rich story that that helps in the sales process and the marketing process that you have something that to, you know, to really talk about rather than just wrapper binder filler. I mean, we I have a lot that, to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Like even you were at the show. So our booth itself was a, as an homage to the family, the rich history of the family and the factory. Like on one side, we had the pioneers with the, with the family model that is not just, you know, a business, it's a passion. You were in the, in, the, in the conference room, you had the creed that the Leons have had for the last 100 plus years. And then the back wall had the timeline of every important date from 1903 going into 2023 and the launch of Lhasa USA. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's everything and it's in everything they do. Like if you speak to Manuel, it's all passion, it's all history, you know? I think the big thing with us is, you know, when you look at product, you look at quality construction, you know, all of us are sourcing tobacco from similar regions. We have the advantage of we have our own fields. We have infrastructure in the Dominican Republic. So all our Dominican tobacco, that's what we highlight. You know, when you think La Aurora, you think Dominican. So we're Dominican first. And then we do, we buy tobaccos from all over the world. It's hard because in this industry, you know, I spent time in the wine industry and they always talk about AVAs and designations. In the cigar industry, we don't really have that. They talk about, you know, just generalized areas. I think for us, we always highlight the Sabao region and Dominican Republic. And so for us, it's highlighting the story of that tobacco, you know, the quality, the care, and the construction coming from that tobacco, and then how we're using the nuances of, you know, something from Nicaragua or, you know, Peruvian, you know, the highlights to the Dominican is what our story is. You know, that's... Um, reminds me of things I've been thinking about recently with the cigars because with cigars, I think I have an issue sometimes with how people sometimes describe the cigars. Like the like you just talked about the nuances and notes and stuff like that. And I saw somebody comment on this on Facebook recently, um, you know, because 
I think with the wine industry, like the wine industry kind of led to this whole how we talk about cigars too. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're similar, but they're not similar at the same time. So it's confusing to some people because I know when you're really new to the cigar world and you read a, a cigar review and it says like, you know, this cigar has notes of, uh, you know, strawberry or whatever. And you're thinking like, wow, like, you know, or like dark chocolate and stuff like that. And you're thinking like, gosh, this is going to be like, you know, almost like Willy Wonka style, like the everlasting gobstopper of the <laughs> cigar. And you're like, it, it has like all these different notes and like people just go crazy trying to identify all these notes. And then you smoke the cigar and it's like, you know, tobacco, I think, has a, a very distinct taste. And I think that's what, you know, obviously should appeal to people. It's like a cigar is not, doesn't have sometimes all these flavor notes. And yet we, we try to it's become part of the marketing hype uh, to pick out these notes. So I think the biggest thing is when you're, you know, doing the correlation wine to cigars, it's important to explain, you know, a lot of our cigars, they may have those subtle notes to them, but it's more like an old world wine. They're very soft. They're delicate. They're there. And it mm-hmm. takes a trained palate to pick it up. But until you get to that level of discerning the true flavors in the cigar, it's just going to be a cigar to you. And you also mentioned the, you know, there's other qualities to a cigar that I know Laura really pays attention to which is like quality and construction and all these things. And we kind of sometimes don't focus on that as much in the cigar industry. Like I said, it's all about the the notes sometimes, like what flavor notes do you pick up on? What's, you know, we don't even talk about aroma a lot anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, with La Aura, I mean, whenever I had a La Aura cigar, you know, I take note of like the construction, like, mm-hmm. is, you know, is this a cigar I have to light 10,000 times during the, the smoking process, you know, what's the burn line like, you know, is it unraveling? All these little teeny tiny things that people may think are, is like minute and boring, but mm-hmm. you know, law work seems to really focus on those quality issues uh, in, in terms of all of the products that it produces, whether it's law work products or products for somebody else. Yeah. I think that's a fun thing about law Roar, And that's, you know, when I first came on board, not often do you look at a cigar and you're like, wow, that's a beautiful cigar. Like, I think if you pick up any one of our cigars, you look at it and from the eye, it's a very appealing cigar. And so even from, you know, sight to feel to taste, it's using all our deceptors to really look at this cigar and say, La Aurora takes pride in what they're doing. It's not just a cigar to our group. It's, you know, something more, it's an experience. And so, I think that's the huge thing I saw when coming over to La Aurora was the pride and the time and the care they take into each cigar that's coming out of that factory. Do each of you remember the first La Aurora cigar that you you ever smoked? Yes. It was. I think mine was a 107. Mine was a 100 on yours. Good first one. When when people first in, um, encounter Lawor and they haven't really smoked any Lawor products, and let's just say that they say that they they're new to cigars, they like mild cigars, they aren't into like heavy cigars. Like, where do you kind of lead them in terms of like different products to try within the Lawor portfolio? 
I guess it all depends what they smoke. Like when you're working in humidor, let's say, and the guy comes up to me, oh, I love Romeo and Juliet. I love stuff like that. So if you like Romeo and Juliet, then I could throw you towards uh, Original Blend 1987 Connecticut. If you're more of a Monty White kind of guy and a little more higher in Connecticut, then we can take you to the Preferitos. We can do a Sapphire or we, we can even do like a Platinum Cameroon and stuff like that. The guy says, like, oh, I love my hardcore Liga Pravada, Double Arrow. All right, we got you. You know, our new 120 is old and pepper front forward. We have our broadleaf and our Maduros that we can go to. Obviously, our ruby is Brazilian Maduro, so it's Arepiraque. So you're going to get that light, not that strong flavor right out the gate from the wrapper. So we have different things, you know, for everybody. What's in? So with lower up, and this is one of those questions I'm, I'm trying to think of how to word it. People know the lower name, but for some reason, you don't find lower in every single retailer, which is crazy to me because you would think that it will be everywhere. So what pain point do you find like retailers are giving you as to why they don't have lower in stock yet? I think first and foremost is, um, you know, the loss of active sales reps going into the store. This is a category where it's very much in front of, your customer. And if you're not, it's really hard to get your product in there. You know, we work in a category where we're all producing a very similar product. Um, there's different aging and fermenting styles, but at the end of the day, it's all tobacco from a select few regions in the world. And so for us, it's the hurdle is what do we know about La Roar? You know, the story hasn't been told in a while. So for us, it's going in and it's repetitiveness, dropping off samples, them seeing the quality of the price and the cigar, it's it's incredible. So for us, it's, you know, we have the product, we have the price points, so it's just getting them to say yes. But that takes going into their stores multiple times, shaking hands, getting to know their customers, and telling them why it's an advantage to carry Laura versus not. So we, we all know that this is a relationship-driven business mm -hmm. and, and that – you know, like you were saying, um, it's very hard to sell from a PDF <laughs> or, or, or a brochure sent through the mail. You know, I still hear a lot of retailers say that they want someone to come into the store to talk to, to interact with. You know, there are some retailers, believe it or not, that are not, you know, they don't, they say they don't have emails. I don't believe that, but they, they don't want to do the email thing. They don't want, they, you know, they, they don't want to do the Zoom sales thing that we were having to do during um, the pandemic. They mm -hmm. want like, physical people to come into the store. So with knowing that, you know, you all are, I see both of you on the, the road all the time, like, especially Willie, I, I see you. It's like every, every day it's like a new, a new uh, <laughs> place. Like you seem to be everywhere. Um, so I can't imagine how many airline miles you have racked up at this point, but um, the joke my friends have is instead of where in the world is Carmen San Diego, where is Willie today? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like, but that's what I love. That's what I love and appreciate about our industry that we're still old school. Like, you know, a gentleman handshake is a gentleman handshake. You can drop off samples, but you still have to leave that business card with the sample. You can send an email, but you still got to walk in. You got to shake hands. You got to look them in the eye, and you got to have that spiel, and, and you know, and still give them. Like I said, you got to give them the business. You know, you got to you got to walk in. So it's, we're still old school when it comes to things like that, especially in certain markets. Like, yeah, you know, Miami, New York, 
you know, California, Chicago, some people are, are up to date, like you said, with email. But some of these other markets, like they're storing VA that they're still old school. You live in North Carolina. Some of the heavy hitters there, you know, they're still old school. You got to walk in and shake their hands and sit down with them. They won't give in to the new world of emails and send me your contact information. Like, now nah, I got to see your face. I want to shake your hand. I want to know the person I'm doing business with, you know? Yeah, it's just funny to me that knowing that, like, more companies aren't investing more into the sales reps and having a physical person go into the store. It seems like we're getting ready to be in 2024 now. So <laughs> it seems like more people would know, like, that's a super important thing to have. Like, it may be a, a huge investment, but it pays off to have someone, some physical person in, in the area go into the store and travel that area and just go, you know, uh, several times within, you know, even a season just to see those people. But we don't see that a lot with companies. So uh, why do you think that is? It costs a lot to be on the road. I mean, to house in-house sales reps, it's it's a big it's a big financial burden to a lot of companies. You know, we're thankful to where we have the great backing of the Leon family and the La Aurora family to where we can start hiring the right people and hitting the mar right markets. You know, Willie and I right now, we're combined covering probably 30 states. And so it's, um, it's one of those where as we grow and we hit those milestones, we'll bring on more people. But to start, it, it takes a lot to get people just out there in front of doors and um, doing those things. So I think for our industry, you're seeing a lot of companies do more of the ambassador-driven mo uh, model and or brokers or using distributors to really activate some of those key markets that we may not be able to get to year one or year two. So with that being said, you know, what is the life of like a sales rep? Because I feel like we, we don't talk about sales rep sales reps hardly at all. Like we just see like the travel bit and and that's it. So what is the life of a sales rep? Like what is that? Because I think some people see it and even people who think that they love to travel probably don't really, they're not really ready for what that whole experience is like. It takes a very unique person to do what we do. I think Willie and I are, uh, you know, the epitome of guys that are just beaten and bruised by the road, but we love it. You know, we live out of suitcases, we live out of hotel rooms, and we're in a different city every day. Um, so the life of a sales rep, you know, the interesting thing about our category is a lot of your customers aren't open till 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. So you're still getting up at 7 a.m., hitting emails, doing the work that's necessary to plot your day, to plot your month. And you're doing that till 11 o'clock and then you hit your first store. I traveled with Willie in Virginia and it reminded me of when I was young. I'm no longer young and Willie somehow still does it, you know, hitting eight to nine stores a day and you don't stop. You might stop for a 10 minute lunch, but that's about it. And so people see the fun parts of it, the events, the podcast, um, you know, Willie's food pictures of wherever he's at in the world but they don't see what goes into it. You know, the windshield time, the, the chaos of airports these days, the constant changing of hotel rooms. Um, it's just, it's a lot. And you're away from home. You're away from family, you know, 75, 80% of the time. And he's being modest, but obviously he's living one of the biggest things right now where he just, you know, he's at a hotel room, but today is his son's 
first year birthday and he's not with him. So, you know, it, not only the work logistics part, but having to balance family and all your private life, you know, you're not there for certain key moments and, you know, you're still providing, but it has to be hard. And he's being humble today, but it's his baby boy's first one year birthday and he's at a hotel doing what he has to do. So that's, that's everything right there. Mm. <laughs> it takes a lot of dedication to do that. Oh, absolutely. And it takes a lot of, I will say, understanding probably on the part of your, your family to understand oh, without- why you aren't, you know, why you're, you're doing what you're doing and why you aren't there. I would say if you want to be a cigar rep, if you want to be a person in the cigar industry, your support group has to be locked down. It has to be solid. You know, I took three years off of the industry and my wife was actually the one that gave me the nudge to get back in. She, I know every day I'm gone, she's cheering me on. So it, having that support at home provides for a better life when you're gone. So you mentioned this earlier and you could kind of see it on John's shirt, but the, the anniversary though. Yeah. The one twenty. So talk about that a little bit because that's a pretty big number. One twenty in any industry, but especially in the cigar industry, I don't think a lot of companies can, can boast, you know, that they've been around that long. I only know two other families. I believe the Newmans and the toppers up in the Connecticut area that are in the, the triple digit plus years like that. And mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I just, I know the Newmans are about 120 plus and the toppers are like another hundred plus. So, I mean, it, it's a milestone. It's everything we've been doing this year goes around that specific cigar. And that cigar is not just homage to the company, but to every factory employee that has ever worked for them, you know, you know, so many different people touch that cigar. So it's 120 years of excellence, knowledge, love that goes into that specific blend this year. And it's, it's something special. Yeah. When you describe that cigar, like how do you describe it to people for people who have not yet smoked it? Well, to paying homage to the Dominican, obviously number one, it's a hundred percent Dominican Puro. It's all hundred percent Dominican tobacco. You have a, a Vano 92 wrapper, you have a Dominican Allure binder, and then you have a filler that consists of Piloto Cubano, Corojo from the Cibao Valley, and Dominican Allure. So it's 100% Dominican to pay homage to the 120 years of the oldest Dominican factory making cigars. And how is that cigar performing so far? Like, I know that you kind of debuted it a little bit at PCA this, this year, the trade show. And I've seen that it's, it's kind of getting out there in, in the wild. I'll let I think, John talk to you about that. He enjoys all those reports. <laughs> um, so initial run, we blew out the forecast. So we had to ramp up production. Uh, we had to allocate the first round of shipments just to ensure that everyone got a parcel of their original order. Um, we are now back up to 100% production on the product. Initial reviews are incredible. You know, we uh, will hopefully be seeing some ratings in the coming weeks, but um, all the feedback right now is it's one of the, if not the best cigar La Roar's ever produced. Um, it's unique. It's it's a cigar that's full-bodied in flavor, but not full-bodied in strength. You know, I have people that smoke a mild medium or a medium full, and they fall in love with this cigar. It's a cigar that you'll wake up tomorrow and that the scent, the smell, the taste, 
you're longing for that again. So we're seeing a lot of repeat customers. We're seeing repeat orders and um, it's done a lot better than we thought it would. Yeah. I found it to be a very easygoing cigar. Mm-hmm. Like it's not one that overpowers your, your palate and it's not one that blows out your palate. Like I, I think there are some cigars out there that sometimes you smoke it and you wake up the next morning and you can still <laughs> taste it on your palate, which is not ideal. Um, you know, but I, th- I felt this one was, was a good cigar. Like you could easily, you know, enjoy the the notes in the cigar, enjoy the aroma, enjoy the burn line and all the construction and stuff and not be distracted. It was like, you kind of light it up and it, it goes. And I thought that was, you know, the best compliment that I can give of the cigar. It's high praise. Yeah. Big- <laughs> Go ahead, Willie. No, I was about to say, and what he was saying, one of the biggest feedback we get is that it's it's a cigar that stands out within the portfolio of La Rora. It's also when people say, Oh, what cigar deviates La Rora? I was like, Well, have you had the new one twenty? And people smoke it like you said, like, Oh, this is this is different for you guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do this. Yeah, and I think it's important to also like you can't talk about La Rora without talking about your master blender because <laughs> I know that he plays a big role in everything that, that comes out of that factory. So talk a little bit about your master blender, give his story, give his moment of spotlight. Cause we have not yet had him on deep cuts. So I think people are going to, we're going to have him and we're going to have subtitles and he's not going to drink <laughs> rum. We're going to, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it and we're going to have him on next year. But Manuel is passionate. I mean, if you ever get to sit down, and lived through one of his blending seminar events, and I'm blessed that I have gotten to do a lot of them in the last two months and the year. It's just passion. And like you said, he wants to hit everybody from your front palace to your side through retro. You know, he just he wants to hit you with education. Um, and my note's big on educating, just not just La Rota, but just on what tobacco and what notes. Like you say, you know, you smoke the cigar and you enjoy all these different aspects. And for him, is everything. You know, when he's doing an event, the combustion, the wrapper, the flavor, what what front notes are you getting in the first third? What notes are you getting in the second third? Are you drinking rum? Are you drinking coffee? Then you should be experiencing this and that. So he he is a walking educating machine having 40 plus years in this industry now, you know. And talk a little bit about Guillermo Leon, because I know that he's a, a force to be reckoned with. I would say personally, my encounter with him, I remember uh, going to Pro Cigar one year, and uh, you know, I was supposed to interview him. And by the time I got, you, you know, he had lots of business calls to take, and so I waited. And then when I finally got into his office, he ended he ended up interviewing me. Like he was just like, <laughs> "Just leave the questions here, and I'll answer them like later." But I have questions for you, and I was like, "Questions for me?" And then so I know that he's can be a, a little bit imposing, but he's like a a good guy to kind of talk to and obviously a, a great, you know, when it comes to business, he, he's kind of like one of the best in the industry to kind of, you know, kind of learn from. So tell people a little bit more about him because I, I don't know if people have had that pleasure of really talking to him or having that encounter like I did. I think um, first and foremost, like you said, Guillermo is a force. He is, he is a machine of a man. Um, the thing I've noticed most about him is he's family first. He cares about not only his family, but all his employees and everyone that's around him. So the man is, I don't want to say this because he might get mad, but he's a gentle giant. He's just, 
he's he's a man on a mission and i think that's the biggest takeaway is you know he's got a million things going on in his head but when you're sitting in front of him you're the most important person that's in the room so i would say he's got vision he has excellent um abilities to surround himself with the people that will win and will succeed with his vision that he puts in place and uh yeah, it's he's the godfather. He's he's amazing. I know when when I spoke to him when he interviewed me, it was like he was like, you know, tell me well, what do people in America, you know, in the US look for in a cigar? And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's like such a, a broad question. I was like, I don't know. It was like we had this whole conversation and like I said, and it was just like he's like, I have 15 minutes, and then he just like asked these questions, like bam, 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 bam. And I was like, Okay. And then, you know, it was, we were done. And then I was like, oh, okay. So it was definitely a a memorable, you know, one of my memorable uh, interview experiences was was definitely sitting in his office, uh, having that conversation with him. Um, But I think that's a huge takeaway. He's he's always wanting to learn, you know, whatever he knows, he doesn't know enough. And he wants to learn and figure out what to do next. So he's always looking for those opportunities to improve what he's already, you know, built and continued to build on. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, I forget who said this quote, but you know, it's like, I know what I don't know. And mm-hmm. so you, you ask questions about what you don't know. Like you said, don't assume that you, you know, everything. I think that's very important. That's probably why you all can say that you, you know, law war has been around for 120, <laughs> 20 years, because, you know, if you just kind of stuck to what was, was working, in that first or second year or year 10 or year 50, you know, I don't know if, if that would work. Like you kind of have to change with the time. So it makes well, I think that's what's great. That's what's great about our industry is that we're always evolving. We're always learning. Like you never not learn a day in this industry because even if you're out on the road, you have a conversation with somebody and you probably get a new perspective on something. You're like, ah, why did I never think of that? Or I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Like, it's just like, you're always learning something. And, you know, speaking of learning, um, for those people who have not been to your factory, it's like you walk in and it's like a factory, but I know that they have lots of educational areas where you can like really learn and and see. And it's almost like, I know, you know, people say it's like like Disney World. I know Willie's going to like, not <laughs> like that reference, but it's really like- Guys got to move on from the Disney thing. <laughs> I haven't had an annual pass in three years. Come on, cigar industry. I don't have an annual pass anymore. We're moving on. <laughs> the Disney, but it's like it's really like it's, it's an experience, and you see all the different moving parts of it. And you know, I once had someone, surprisingly enough, someone who works in the cigar industry, who was I was going to some cigar uh, festival somewhere, and they were like, you know, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, it's, it's you go to cigar factories, and they're like, well, what? Why do you need to go to cigar factory? You've been to a cigar factory. And I was like, no cigar factory is the same. So for me, like Law War especially is like like nothing else out there. <laughs> like it's just so many different moving parts. So like, what was something that you all kind of took away from like your first visit to the factory? You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. okay. I would say, <laughs> um, like you were saying, I never realized how education could be incorporated into the cigar industry the way they do it, the way we do it down there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, I've been to several factories and a lot of it's, you know, go in, you roll cigars, you do this, that, and the other, but you never get the in-depth knowledge. So not only with our factory, but also with the Leon Museum, just seeing what the family has done, what they've accomplished, what they've built, and then going in and having Manuel sit there and educate, and not only Manuel, but everyone that works there. You can talk to any person in the entire factory and language barrier or not, they would be more than happy to sit down and educate you on what tobacco is, what a cigar is, you know, how they blend. It's it's amazing to see it. So I think what you'll see from us moving forward is a big push on education and utilizing those resources we have in the Dominican and bringing them stateside. And I think education is slowly becoming more important or mm-hmm. I think it's always been important, but I think it's slowly maybe having this moment in the spotlight in the industry, like more people are realizing like, Oh, like, you know, we need to be teaching people about the tobacco. We need to be teaching people about how to get into this industry because uh, I used to work for a pipe magazine. And the biggest problem with the pipe magazine was that there wasn't a lot of education. It was like, you kind of, they kind of plop people into like the middle of it, like as if you were like advanced. So People who are curious about pipes never learned about what you need to do into to get into the industry. So the magazine slowly, you know, lost prominence because all of its subscribers were dying. And when mm-hmm. they were dying, they didn't have anyone to replace them with. So I think about that with the cigar industry, because there's some people who, you know, when you look at uh, kind of the education that takes place on social media, for example, mm-hmm. and people are like, well, why do we need another influencer? Or another person, you know, showing you how to cut a cigar or light a cigar, you know, that's boring. Like people know that. And it's like there's a lot of people who don't like Correct. Especially on certain platforms. Like I think Instagram probably has like the best cigar community on it in terms of social media and then Facebook, of course. But like if you go to a newer platform like TikTok, those people don't know hardly anything about cigars. Like they think cigars are work and operate the same way as the cannabis and hemp and CBD industry. Like they think it's all the same thing and it's not. So I think there is room for a lot more education. So, well, and what we're seeing is the younger generation, they're eager for it. They're eager for knowledge. They're willing to ask the questions, which, you know, for a long time you go and you do a cut and light or you do a tasting at a shop. No one will ask questions. But now we're seeing a resurgence of people are like, feed us the knowledge. Tell us what's going on in the industry, what's going on with the cigars. And they want to be in the know, which is a lot of fun. So I think that's the nice thing for me is I haven't done a a cigar event in three years and coming back to it, actually having that consumer engagement, people asking me, you know, tough questions. It's one of those things where I didn't have that before and three years removed, I come to a whole new um, consumer base. What's the toughest question you've been asked so far? Uh, the questions I can't answer. <laughs> well, well, I, I would say I would say um, a lot of it's, you know, unfortunately, we have to keep some trade secrets. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's stuff we don't even know. Like, you know, how do you infuse a cigar? I'm guessing you put it in a room and smoke some flavored stuff and it gets in the tobacco. There's just some things in this industry that even us on the road don't understand what's going on completely. And that's to protect the you know process. So right. I would think uh, a lot of, a lot of times what I 
get questions on is like, you know, how long was this tobacco aged? You know, how was it dry cured? Is it barn cured or hanging it? You know, the various in-depth questions that you get from people that just sit there and read constantly. So there's a lot of things that we still don't know. You know, I know the trigger points. I know what to sell and what the hot words are. But a lot of it on the back end, I still don't. I'm unaware with Law Aurora. So I don't know how we age all our tobacco. That's stuff that Willie might have a better idea because he's been with the company a lot longer. But um, each company is different. So it's it's hard to go in with confidence and answer those. So Willie, that like, what's... <laughs> I know. Um, no, I mean, we do a lot of the same basic process. I know that when it comes to us, we're big on barrel aging our tobacco mm -hmm. compared to a lot of other companies. Obviously, we do have our own rum and stuff like that. So a lot of our cigars are barrel aged, which give off some great molasses, oaks, and some of those flavors as you get into those kind of things. Um, but it's like John said, I don't know all the secrets. Um, you know, we have the ADN that has Anduyo, and I've never been allowed into the room that decompresses the Anduyo log and makes it long filler. Like there's just trade secrets. Like I tell people, there's a magic room where that log goes in and then it comes out, you know, ready to it's go. <laughs> it's beautiful and it smells amazing because you were at the trade show when we released it and you, you smelled that log and it's just, a, it's an amazing work of art, you know, when it comes to Anduyo, but we don't, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I know what the book says we need to say. and We know that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what makes, you know, it, unique like that you all don't know everything like you know for like the infused thing i'm sure like i know other companies in the cigar industry like the infused thing is probably more their thing and i know that like as you said like if you ask them what was the process they would tell you it's proprietary so i can think questions like that that maybe people are getting confused by i mean you you pass by that you've done the tour you pass by the room that does the infusion in the factory but you're not going in it no <laughs> No. <laughs> there's, only, there's only a handful of people that are allowed in and they have that clearance but on the tour when I have my customers oh what's that we do not that's, have the infusion. That that's the infusion room but you're not going in there you're going this way to the galera it's like Willy Wonka when they were going through the chocolate factory and it was like don't go into that room don't do it and then they I'm do it a, and I'm seeing a trend of Willy Wonka and my name on this show I see <laughs> I see where we're going. Do you have chocolates with your coffee or is that beer? I'm not answering. This is nitro. <laughs> and you were a minute ago, you were talking about um, the rum. And I know that when, like, again, like when I was there for Pro Cigar, like the, the last big event that happened when we were at the factory was uh, there was a rum blending pairing seminar that it had like, Guillermo was there and Carl Malone was on the stage and, and Manuel was there giving like a, a spill about um, the cigar that they were promoting that year. Um, so you all have a lot of, like I said, things going on. And I know like it was fun to watch Carl Malone and Guillermo kind of have like, it was like a talk show to me because they both were on stage and they were just trading stories and, I remember Carl Malone told the story about how he used to like to use a punch for his cigars. Like mm -hmm. he, he was a, a fan of the punch and Guillermo saw him use a punch and he was like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm punching the cigar. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, never punch the cigar. He's like, you got to cut, do a straight cut. He's like, you get more flavor that way. And he yeah. was like, we don't, we don't punch cigars here. 
<laughs> so. But that's the thing. It's, you know, we, we learn by what we're told. So, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm going to punch or V cut. And, you know, down there it's straight cut or pick the cap off. So it's all different. It, it just depends. But going back to the rum. So do you want to know a little bit about that? What's yeah, going on definitely. with that? Okay. Yeah. So Elion Jimenez, 10-year age rum, beautiful, beautiful rum. The nice thing about it is unlike traditional rum where it's very um, uh, sugar forward with molasses, this rum drinks to be paired with our cigars. So it drinks almost like a bourbon and then on the back end has this sweet, subtle rum finish to it. So it's a very smooth, complex rum and it just balances great with any cigar you're having. Carl Malone, the partnership there. So Carl and Guillermo formed this strong partnership, strong friendship. Carl owns a distributor in Louisiana. So Carl acts as our importer and he uh, distributes our rum across the U.S. So as we make the cigar for Carl Malone, they import the rum and we're starting to work in tandem to really grow, you know, both La Aurora and Elion rum throughout the U.S. Awesome. Yeah, like I said, we I think we had some during that pairing seminar. It was very, very good. <laughs> it's fantastic. Cost a pretty penny, but it's worth it. Yes. But it's like a premium, you know, it's a premium. It goes along with what, like I said, Law War does. So Yeah, and the nice thing is, is so many people when they hear rum, they're like, ah no, I don't want to try it. Um, Willie and I have done a lot of tastings this year with cigars and the biggest thing is getting the concept of traditional rum out of your mind. So as soon as people taste it, they love it. Um, but it's getting it to their lips is the hard part. Yeah. I don't know why more people don't like rum. I know that this, that the cigar industry is more about the bourbons and whiskeys and stuff like that, but, but I prefer the, the rums like, correct. You know, especially like when I'm uh, the rare occasion when I'm down in Florida going around to different manufacturers is like, they have like the best rum collections. I remember visiting uh, Espinosa and Eric Espinosa was like, you want some rum? And I was like, I, I, I guess so. And it's it was, nine o'clock in the morning, but yeah. Right. It was like, well, it was like, I guess so. I wasn't driving. So it was like, yeah. I was fine. But, but yeah, but like the rum experience to me is, is I think if people aren't trying that with their cigars. They should really look, kind of look into it. And I think you're going to start seeing the resurgence in rum, you know, looking at all the statistics from that category, rum's the next one to really pop off. And hopefully, you know, you're starting to see a lot of people, you know, uh, barrel aged rum and bourbon barrels and doing a lot of fun processes with it. So I think the evolution of rum's coming and I think we're in the right position to uh, be at the front of it. Yeah. So and that's a good point. Like I said, I, I'm a big fan of the, the whole rum thing. So uh, thinking of, of rum and thinking of everything that we're, you all are working on, by the time this episode airs, it's going to be kind of December, the beginning of December. And we're going to be uh, obviously getting into holiday mode. But we're also, I don't know about you all, but I'm already writing 2024 on stuff because I'm already mentally <laughs> work-wise working on 2024 stuff. So I'm like, it's, it's getting crazy. Cause I think everyone I've, I've around me that that's doing work, they're, they're writing 2024. It's like, no, we're still in 2023. Um, no, so. we have TPE and PCA and Q1 next year. We're already working on 2024. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Like, to, like 
I'm sure you all have like the game plan ready for 2024 because it is going to be a slightly different year with two now two trade shows happening at the beginning of the year. Like you said, within that first quarter, you know, second quarter, if you think of the thing. So, you know, what can you tease? Not giving away anything secret, but what can you tease about 2024? A lot of fun stuff. Uh, no, I, I think um, you'll start seeing the blending of the U.S. and Dominican team. Some really fun projects that we're going to do. A uh, lot of limited stuff next year. So just small pops to show people what La Aurora can do that they maybe haven't done in the past. So I think it'll be a fun year. I think there's a lot of things on our plate that, you know, Willie and I are excited about and we're ready for 2024 to come. Because, uh, you know, any sales guy loves ammo in the bag. You will see you will see more um, activation events with like Manuel and into more markets that he hasn't normally been into mm-hmm. outside of the New York, Miami, Chicago, Texas area. We definitely want to get him into the West Coast, back into the mid central and all that. So we will be us- utilizing the change in calendar that makes it a little more easier to navigate a week here, a week there with his Europe schedule and now the U.S. schedule. So you will see a more aggressive side of us on the road, events and stuff like that. Yeah, and and that's part of what I'm looking forward to is seeing how everyone adapts now to having a different schedule because I don't know about you, but first of all, I get kind of tired of Vegas, especially in uh, the throes of uh, July. (laughs) So... You don't um, like 130 or, degrees? <laughs> <laughs> you know, stepping out outside of the, the Venetian and just bursting into a ball of flames is, is uh, not something ideal. I won't miss. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But as you said, like it does open up a lot of the, the summer months now to being able to, to really kind of play around with marketing and activations and these different events. I'm excited for, um, as as a person that spent a lot of time in New England, as I, as I came up as a rep, I'm excited to see markets like that get a fair opportunity at some of these newer products. Because now they're coming in during their snow months. It's easier for them to get in. Now they're getting that product. They're seeing that product January, March. They're getting it April, May. They have all summer. They have all of early fall to really push a new product before the bad weather comes in. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see how the developments of these winter months come in with them having that new product and, you know, summertime available, ready to go for their selling period. Or normally they get it in the summer, but they don't get it to the fall. And then here comes the snow and, you know, you're so I'm excited to see how that redevelopment changes. Um, at this point in the show, I usually wrap up with two questions. Um, the first of those questions and both of you can answer this question. Um, do you have a philosophy that you live by? Go ahead, Will. No, you first. I, I, I got I to gotta figure this one out. Philosophy I live by. Um, don't stop till the job's done. I guess with as, as many states and everything that me and John do, I would say go big or go home. Don't, you know, play hard, work hard. Awesome. Um, the last question, I usually ask this to individuals, but since there's two of you, I'm going to like manipulate this question a little bit and, and and make it a little bit easier. But I want you to finish this sentence. 
La Aura is mm, that's a good one. La Aurora is and I quote Vin Diesel family. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for me, it would be La Aurora is everything. Um, they have provided a life that I could have never imagined to be dreamt living and doing the stuff I'm doing. So to me, it's everything. Awesome. I think that's a great, I mean, considering we spend hours and hours at work, uh, I think to be able to answer that question like that is great. <laughs> it says a lot about where, where you work and the people that you work for. So that's a great answer. Um, for those people, so for those people who don't know Laura and who want more information, can you give us a spill about websites or social media stuff that we need to um, be aware of in order to keep up with everything Laura is doing? Yeah, you can definitely follow Willie Morante on Instagram. He's uh, he's the voice of La Aurora USA. Um, we no, do we have do a have... website, laaurorausa.com. Yeah, so laaurora.com is our U.S. website. Uh, has store locator on there, has all that. Um, you can purchase product, but it's at MSRP, no discounts. So has a good uh, – it's an educational tool. A lot of our accounts – um, we'll use it to research product. We'll use it to, um, you know, pull blurbs out for their website. So it's again, showing, showcasing that education. Barroar.com is that it's, it's a powerful tool to really educate on the brand. And then we also have a strong, uh, Instagram handle. What is it? La Aurora Cigars US. Aurora Cigars US. Yep. Awesome. Well, I want you two to sit tight because we're going to record two other things before we completely sign off for today, but I want to thank people for watching this episode and watching all of Beat Cuts all this year. We got 29 great interviews done this year, which is awesome, I think. And um, it's been a fun year and we're planning some even funner stuff for 2024. So um, if you miss any of this episode, I want to catch up on all the other uh, episodes of Deep Cuts, which is like 143 or so episodes that you can catch up on now. So plenty of, of stuff to keep you occupied during uh, the holiday season. Uh, you can do so at deepcutslive.com or youtube.com slash deepcutslive. And I want to thank our two guests here. And like I said, we're getting ready to record a couple other things. So you'll be able to see a, a little bit more with our two guests uh, on our social media uh, with some fun questions and some bonus content. So thank you all for watching. And uh, if you're not having a great day, make it a great day. <laughs>